Well, that's it for the intro today because we weren't initially planning on doing this for the ascent, uh, but here we are today. Uh, good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the ascent. What is normally broadcast as the Our Lady of Victory morning show. Thanks, Tim, for letting me come on here and and do this today. Um, I'm really excited about it. Well, I think that Bannister promised the first interview of his book. I he did. did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Be Angela. So this is, ladies and gentlemen, this is the, the release party. Woo-hoo. Got uh, a lot of people here. So, Angela, thanks for having us all on your show. Well, I mean, and, and Nicholas also is uh, my co-host. So it's, of course, fitting that you're here. We normally stream in the evening. Um, we might be doing a show either. Are we doing it tonight or on Wednesday night? Yeah, I'm good tonight. I'm good tonight. Okay, okay. So we're going to do a, a stream tonight about all the satanic activity that you guys have been dealing with um, down in Texas, of all places. And we're going to talk about all the awesome things that you guys are doing to bring Christ to the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. So, Jeremiah, today is the big day. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. One of the big days. <laughs> One of the big days. And Adrian, you have also joined us for this show this morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be the peanut gallery. I'm excited to be the the, the book reader, the, the fan here. The, the representation for the fans, I guess. <laughs> so how, uh, you make raise... the peanut gallery look good, Adrian. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You do, buddy. They're like, they're like, they have the best looking peanut gallery, dude, on Catholic YouTube. <laughs> it's Adrian. <laughs> So has everyone here read Jeremiah's book? Yes. I have. Ever, I have I'm on Tim it. I'm on I it. laughed. I cried. Oh, my goodness. I was weeping last wow. night. I texted Jeremiah at about 1030 last night, and I said, all I said was weeping. I was sobbing. And, and my family had, my husband had just gone to bed, and I was like, I have to, I have to leave the room because I was, yeah, I mean, it was uncontrollable sobbing. Um, so I'm thrilled to talk to you, Jeremiah, about this book. And, and anyone else, of course, if you have any questions, feel free to jump in and, and ask away. But first, Jeremiah, I have to ask, what prompted you to decide to write a book about Sammy's life and her battle with cancer? Well, in the beginning, uh, when any parent finds out that their child has cancer, they're really at a crazy place because um, they most parents are not oncologists <laughs> so most of them have no clue what they're dealing with and they bring to the table for their child whatever whatever gift and talent they have you know if they're going to use their gifts and talents to try to help their child and if they love them they will and so for me uh, I went to school for journalism and so I went to school for journalism for mass comm I'd done a whole bunch of investigative work throughout my life a lot of poetry I'm award-winning poet won a bunch of money in college for it right helped um, so I put all of these things together and when, when she was going through this, I told her, I said, I don't know, I don't know how to, I don't know all the answers about cancer and I, I'm going to have to really research to figure out how to help you, um, in that way. And I'm going to have to trust people too, but I do know how to tell the story. And so I promise that I will do my best to tell your story to people because we knew what kind of cancer she had and just statistically speaking, of course, there's always, you know, on any bell curve, you've got kids that survive and kids that die sooner. But on average, I mean, we're talking a death rate for this particular kind of cancer that's so rapid that it's actually really difficult to even do 
any kind of tests in order to advance the technologies and medicine necessary to really help the kids who, who mm -hmm. are suffering from this kind. So we knew that going in. So I thought, well, I'm going to tell the story. And I knew that was the only way that we were going to be able to do certain things anyway, to get her, the message out there, to, to make videos about her, to, uh, and to allow her to tell her story too. Mm -hmm. And to to be where we had to be, and that was a big thing for us to be there with people. So I, I had the fortune, I had the, I was blessed beyond measure, to be able to be part of that. And mm -hmm. in fact, I'll say I'll say it this way: it's something I learned, and it's actually a recent lesson. It's something I didn't learn until just I don't know <laughs> last week maybe, and it's a little embarrassing to admit it. But it was the first time that I said, "Why me?" And I don't deserve this. And I said it in a way that was different for the first time. That really said, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to have lived near, in pro even in proximity, much less to be the father of someone who lived a life and loved the way that my daughter lived and loved. And the way that she died. The mm. way that she died to, trail, to, to blaze that trail. So in, in part of it... So to answer it, part of it was that I was a journalist and so I didn't have much to offer. I could have just said that, <laughs> but I don't do that. <laughs> so, but yeah, I didn't have much to offer except for that. And I did my best to tell that story. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed reading your book. I get asked to read books often from self-published writers. I'm sure anyone who does this kind of work and, and acquires any amount of following you guys probably all also get requests to to review books and i have to say a lot of the time they're not great and so <laughs> reading your book i actually wrote down the things i loved about your book the pace of it is great which sometimes is not the case um I can actually hear your voice when I read it because the language is so you. It is so thoroughly you from the front cover to the back cover and everything in between. It is Jeremiah Bannister. And the language is, of course, as a result, very colorful and descriptive. So it just really draws you in. And some other notes that I have is that the joy is commingled with sorrow in such a beautiful way. And, and so much of your writing is very poetic and, and harrowing. I mean, you have actual poetry in there, but even when you're not writing poetry and you don't have the stanzas written out the same way, the uh, the cadence is poetic um, and the language that you use. I don't know, Tim, what did what did you think about that? The way that he, he sort of wove in uh, poetry throughout? Well, that brings up, <clears throat> excuse me, brings up my, my, really my favorite chapter is the hardest chapter to possibly read. Um, and I, I, I don't, I feel like I can't even talk about what that chapter is. Maybe Kaiser wants to talk about it, but I, I, it's just such a sacred thing, mm, but yes. it, it was so sacred that, that, uh, the entire chapter is written in some sort of Dante, Dante iambic pentameter meter, something like that. <laughs> but it's the only yeah. possible way that yeah. you could write about such a thing. And, um, I, it's really it's hard to even describe how beautiful that is in the most powerful way if you could pull up that chapter pull up the pull up the the sure. very very first page okay it, it was amazing yeah. because all of those really extremely profound moments where you're wrestling are punctuated by this poetry and and it like it just is a gut punch it's so powerful in the way that you wrote it it's sort of 
expresses the chaos that's that's going on in your mind and and like stirring deep within this this deep well that's that's in your heart and and the depths of your sorrow you're right tim like i don't think that there's any way you can properly express that without this poetry there we go so and i'm really glad that both of those are there so that's the actual that's what you see in the print and you need the print Okay. Yeah. Uh, get the Kindle, get the book. Get the book. Just do it. And if yeah. you don't get the book, get the ebook, right? And if you can't, if you can't get the ebook because you can't, you know, whatever the cost, contact Tim. Contact me. Oh, oh just just a special announcement from the publisher. Um, if you uh, the Kindle got messed up, I'm sorry. We'll fix the Kindle and we'll publish that. But if you want the ebook, you can send uh, me an email at editor at meaningofcatholic.com. The ebook costs fourteen ninety five. And uh, you can get the ebook on PDF, um, and we'll just, right now we'll just send a pay, P, uh, PayPal to Jeremiah because I don't have it set up on the website yet. But email me for the for the for the ebook. Sorry to interrupt. Continue. No, but it was um. So you know, pull up the pull up the, the okay. chapter. I want to show people. So th that picture right there. That picture is there's a whole bunch of Easter eggs. One of them. So if you scroll up a little bit, little easy. Up. Uh, that that oh, no, no, you don't have to scroll. There you go. That's fine, right there. So that's the kind of stuff you're going to have to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, the one on the right, uh, the one on the left, that's my sister. That's Aunt Curly in the book. She's also Phoebe Davis, the editor of the book, primary editor. Um, an amazing woman. And there's so many stories just with her. I, I wish that I had thought in advance to even just document the writing of this <laughs> because of the craziness surrounding it. And on the right-hand side, that, that chapter is discussing the final moments of my daughter's life. And as you can see, um, my sister and my mother were in the room. Um, I was not, because we had had like 400 people in our house in a matter of a day and a half. And so everybody had different roles, and they were up overnight administering morphine. That picture right there was taken at the very last time that her heart beat. It never came back. And if you scroll down, you'll turn the page from that. That's what you'll see. And you'll scroll down. So when you, when you go to the next pages or whatever, so 234, 235, I don't know if we're, there we go. So with that, that's the next page. And that's, the picture was taken um, from the room where my daughter rested. And that is the TARDIS in the backyard. And so that picture next to it on the right is when our family was notified. Um, I was the first one notified and I ran down the steps. That's the chapter of me going down the steps and coming down to this place where people knew that my daughter had passed. And that picture, so the, I mean, just the, the, the beauty of even those two pages together, that balance of these things, the, this terrible torturous thing that she's dying and yet this beautiful and simple picture of a light atop a TARDIS at the break of dawn kind of thing. And then the next picture is at the break of dawn a family mourns and and that their eldest is beautiful in blue. Hmm. And if those pictures, go back one more time because people have seen that. Now go flip the page again. Because these are things they have not seen. I took, there were about, I don't know, 40, 40 different videos or 50 different videos that people took.
during the last days of her life. She was in a coma um, when she we brought her back from Beaumont. That's on the east side of the state. And we brought her back, and she was in our home in the room I'm in right now. You can see uh, the, that picture on the left. That's my mom and my sister, my um, former brother-in-law. <laughs> and uh, he's uh, there at the, at the bedside there and taking care of her. She'd already passed. They were tending to her in that way. And the one next to it, I, we robed her in that Technicolor blanket there and robed her and I carried her. Um, she looks very firm because she was, she was in rigor. I've never seen anyone that close who wasn't embalmed, you know. And that was a really hard chapter to write for me. I, I, I kept trying and the biggest problem is that as, you can go back to all of us here. So, um, the thing is, is that I had to figure out for that chapter, and this is really, I, I want to say this, I'm really glad you brought it up, because it stands out like a sore thumb. Because you have this, this book that has a certain writing style and a certain cadence and flow, and all of a sudden, boom, you get to this place, and she's gone, and it's the first chapter where she's gone, and it's this poem, and it's in the this weird meter and rhyme scheme and the way the reason I did it was and I've said it before but I'll say it again because I think anyone who's read it felt it and that's that there's no rest when you have your dead daughter in your arms you don't take a break you don't take a smoke break and <laughs> pop a squat for a brunch or something you know you've got your daughter in your arms and she's gone and you're carrying her in rigor to the hearse outside in front of your home surrounded by the sounds of your kids mourning and friends weeping hmm. to write in a normal way with periods and commas like i do and anyone who helped edit is like oh you don't even know <laughs> it's worse than you know this is like this guy we had a lot of editing for this dude right but there's a there's a there's a certain flow that i have that provides that poetic rest right that that mary had a little lamb or fleece was white as snow that um, uh, roses are red, violets are blue, I love my wife, she loves me too. <laughs> that, that sense of completion at the end. My writing in chapter after chapter is packed with it. But I couldn't have it there. And the only thing that I could possibly find was this really obscure, archaic, and very extremely difficult, because it's probably autistic, um, way of writing a poem. <laughs> and I did it the best I could. And there will be snobs out there that will say, well, there was a certain number of syllables. I don't care. I had to, I had to cloak it. I had to somehow make it so there was a, there was distance. And yet at the same time that in a weird way, that that distance allowed me to just ramp it up to 11 and say, I'm going to get real raw with everybody right now. And I'm just going to just lay it on the line because the truth is, the one thing I heard over and over and over in every interview that anyone's ever heard with me and every conversation that any of you listening have probably ever had with me about this topic, you probably said it, and that's that you can't even imagine what it must have been like. Now you'll be able to. And you're going to cry with me. <laughs> and you're going you're gonna to laugh <laughs> because it's great. But the truth is, like to, to get in that place, I said I, I had to... Allow myself. And I was afraid. I was afraid Tim wasn't going to let me do the poem. 
because it's so weird. <laughs> it's like, and I don't only have one. I kind of, it, it's not another poem actually. It's kind of, it's poetic. It's, it's, people would say that's definitely poetry. But so I would take, let's say two of them. And then multiple poems within. So yeah, like little ones kind of tucked within and throughout. And I had to re rewrite songs even i'm sorry i love you the chieftains but i didn't want to pay a bunch of money ahead of time i didn't know you know i don't know what this book's gonna do if it makes if it makes a, a bazillion dollars chieftains look I'll, I'll reach out to you and say can i please use your lyrics because they're better than mine but i tried my best i had to rewrite the lyrics to a song and fitting appropriate but um yeah so there's a lot of things in there but i'm really glad i'm glad that tim allowed for it and, and it may uh, remarkably it turned out being his favorite. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't have to like, you know, rub his arm too hard. The guy's like, hey, look, oh, you definitely keep that in. Don't you dare take it out. It was and brilliant. And it was a huge relief for me because that was what had been holding it up for so long. And from that point forward, it was just like the gates released in just full steam ahead. So when you were writing this and you, you kind of touched on it here at the beginning of your answer, but... And maybe first, I see Sally is asking if if you're going to have any signed copies available. Uh, maybe you should quick answer that before I move on to my yes. next question. Yeah, actually, we got already some people reaching out to me that have organized. They they retired, but they their job prior to this was to organize um, events for kind of high profile people. And some of them, uh, one of the main things this person did was book signings and stuff. And mm -hmm. she approached me to baptism. It was awesome and congratulations by the way to the two babies that were baptized there yeah. um <laughs> that was awesome but she came up and talked to me about it. so there's gonna be and then i have a, a political group my my patriot friends here in southwest Mich in michigan here they're going to uh uh help set something up with that i got a friend in florida who just reached out to me last night and wants to set up an event with me in florida and so there's a different groups and my sister is working with some different groups and reaching out and saying this there'd be an event here an event there hmm. so yeah we will definitely we'll do signing events and where it's not just an event with the table and stuff we want to do kind of a cool production make it creative and fun um but uh but there will also be ways that you'll be able to get a signed copy i'll have to purchase them and stuff you'll have to buy them we'll figure out a way to do it and buy them through moc or through pillicrat diaries or whatever but um, we can get them to you and I'm not going to make, it's not going to be like a bunch of extra money. <laughs> I just want the story. Literally. I want people to get the story. I don't make a lot. It's like $2 and 50 cents a book. <laughs> yeah. The, the book costs a lot of money to print yeah. because there's so yeah. many color pictures. Mm. Well, and, and people can be like, well, why, why'd you make it so long? And you're like, because there's like 235 pictures in the book, dude. And they're like, why'd you have so many? And I'm like, why don't you just read it and look? <laughs> because when you do, you're going to realize it would be redonkulous not to have those pictures in the book. Because they help tell the story. I didn't need one time to put one, one little thing from left to right, this and that. Never. Never. <laughs> I said, just put it in there. Let it flow like a, like a graphic novel and have fun. Yeah, right there. Mm -hmm. Look at that. There you so, go, Coco. So you don't even have to say, yeah. you know, here's Coco. Yeah, right there. Buzzy Bee. And and look, okay, what was it? So go back. See all that onomatopoeia up in there? See that? Thud. Mm -hmm. So you can see the, the style of it. We tried to even get, you know, because, because I love poetry and art, <laughs> I wanted to make it look beautiful. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't just want it to read nicely. I can do that, you know, and write on a piece of toilet paper or something. You know, people can read that. Okay, I get it. But I want something that's going to pop. I want people to see it and not want to put it down. And so we wanted to make it stylistically attractive. Every, I think there's like 50-something fonts in there. Yeah, that, that was I, the reason the book was delayed by a month. We had, <laughs> print, we had other printing yeah. issues with all these fonts. Because, because of artistic mania. Because I'm an art, because the idiosyncratic artistic mania of this dude <laughs> who vanishes. Jeremiah was comes possessed out with by it. the muse, and so mm-hmm. the muse has possessed him with artistic mania. That was a it reference is. to Plato, everyone. <laughs> you didn't get the reference to Plato. He just made a reference to Plato. There you go. Yeah, it looks, see? And so it's, um, yeah, and right there, okay, go back, go back, go back. And this, I'm so happy you got here. Okay, that right there, boom. Princess Sammy. Everyone, I would like to introduce you. That girl right there is dancing wildly <laughs> right now, <laughs> ecstatically. And awesome things are happening all around. And it's just a powerful thing to behold. Um, and it's awesome. I, I've, been, I've had the, the blessing and the honor and the privilege, to, and it may be awkward for people to hear what I'm going to say about that, to attend funerals in the last month and a half or two months, one for the preborn. Um, and one for a five, um, five-year-old child, you know, because um, we love the dead. We pray for them. And we ask many of the dead to pray for us. <laughs> we believe, there was, it was a priest that said it great, right? I went to a funeral recently, a, five, a five-year-old kid named Ezra, right? And the priest gets up and he kept hinting at this thing saying, I have a suspicion. And I know what he was doing. He's being sly. I talked to him later. He said, uh, he said, I have a sneaking suspicion that the world, that our worlds, that the transcendent and the heavenly, that those people who are on the other side, who've, who've gone before us, right, that that world is a lot more, there, there's an interplay between that world and this, much more than most people think, <laughs> kind of thing. And as believers who believe in the communion of saints, we go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, definitely not even a question. That's why we have little caskets in the front of our, at the front of these funeral masses, right? But it's a powerful thing because so many people in this world not only feel like they don't have any hope for themselves, but even for their little loved ones who die. And so behold, one of my little loved ones, she died, but she's very much alive. In fact, more alive than ever before. Here, so scroll down. So I, I went yesterday to a, uh, mid, a Ren- Renaissance festival, a really small one in uh, Turkeyville, Michigan, Turkey Farm, okay? So we went to Turkeyville, which is amazing. If you have not been to Turkeyville, and if you don't believe me that there is a place called this, you must go. It's like Fowlerville in Michigan. It's a real place. Um, so, so we went and we talked. I, I, I had to go to see the jailers. And the jailers are in this, in this chapter. They're scrolling up. You can see I'm in the jail in one. My daughter's pouring water over my head. The story in that, I showed some of these people yesterday who were there and I had not seen them in a long time and there's a mix of people I mean you go to a rent fair you know you're gonna have <laughs> and actually that whole story it starts out with me starting out saying I don't want to be here get me out <laughs> right it's weirdos bunch of weirdos up in here and then it turned into that and but I, I, I saw him and, and for them to see and to remember Samantha and they were weeping 
and just saw it and they would say things like i was there i remember that oh my gosh and they're like you told the story you you really did and they're looking and they're weeping and they just wanted me to read parts of it and it was so powerful to see because it was a beautiful blend of tears and laughter and i promised i had one person so far who was nervous to read anything about it because she said I read your stuff back when Samantha was alive and you'd write about it. And Jeremiah, I got spooked. I couldn't even go to your channel anymore. I couldn't even go to your page because it was so overwhelming. And it was so sad. I, I couldn't take it. And, and I'm scared to read your book. And I said, whoa, wait, wait, wait. The joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> it wasn't back then. I, had a, I was happy and I laughed, but I didn't have the joy of the Lord. I could be hopeful in the sense like i'm gonna try really hard that my daughter's not gonna die but why because if she died that's it there's no more she's worm food in the ground that's it i don't believe that poo poo trash nonsense no more <laughs> no more and and it was through this and through children it was through children and through pain and I, this is why it's great, because I went yesterday, and at this place, and I, I won't say her name because I, I hope, I hope she's watching, or that she will, because she'll hear my heart in this. A woman I never met in my life. I go to the Ren Fair. We're getting stuff out of this treasure chest. Some lady, or dressed up as uh, something. I don't know, right? She's like, hey, you know, come and get the treasure chest and stuff. We go, and she knew Samantha, and she's talking about how. You know, she said, well, there were so many people from all different perspectives that came and followed the story and stuff. And she said, like, I'm a Christian. She said, but my friend, she said, I brought my friend today. And she said, and she's a pagan. And that woman looked at me and she said, and I don't believe in God because God took my daughter. She was only 16 and she was perfect. Mm. And I looked at her. And it didn't even take half a second. She couldn't look at me anymore. And I said, it hurts so bad, doesn't it? It just hurts, especially when you're alone. And I got between her and everybody else, and she started, like, weeping, like, bad. And I was, I was, like, I was like, it's okay, it's okay. It's all right. And it was like dealing with an animal, like, that's been hurt bad. Somebody that's been wrecked. And I sat there and, and she said, I just don't, and she's like whimpering. She's like, I don't understand why. And I said, I don't have an answer for you. I cannot tell you why your daughter died. But I can say that I believe in the kind of God that for no better choice of the description is a lot like Aslan, that he can jump and land in the darkest and in the most painful places that we all want to flee from. And when he lands and roars, fields of flowers come bursting forth. And I said, and the only way that you're able to cry with me right now is because you suffered so bad. And I said, but that means you can be there for others like I'm here with you. I said, I don't understand what you went through and you don't entirely understand what I went through, but man, we're hurting bad right now, aren't we? I said, but I have to believe that this world is made in such a way that even and especially 
the hardest and most painful things not only make sense, but that there's something remarkably good, something somehow that good can be made, that nothing will end and just say, that's just purely rotten. There's nothing that can be seen and say that God had an idea and that that suffices. And I told her, I said, and let me be clear. I said, I need to stress this. I said, because she said, well, if, if God if God is this and if God is that, then there's no way. And I said, oh, amen and amen, I say to you. I believe that. I said, because that if, there's a couple ifs in there that make that God really fake. That God's not the real one. That God is like a fake one that somebody made up and told you about. I said, the real God isn't the lemon drop lollipop Jesus that's your homeboy. I said, the real one is one that makes mountains move. Mm -hmm. And there are fires, massive pillars of fire, and things like that, and whispers, and quiet places. I said, that's the real one. And the real one sent his son. And I want to say this, I should have said it then, and I want to say it to other people, I've said it before, because the pain in this book is really bad. And you're going to read it, and people are going to cry, and they're going to do, holy cow. And you're going to think of the, your pain in your own life and the stuff you've gone through for yourself. Um, and I just encourage people, you know, as bad as it was what I went through, there was a dude in the room right next to Samantha that was going through stuff even worse with his son. And so when people say, I can't even imagine what you're going through, can you imagine that I've said that to people? We should all be able to say, yeah, I can't imagine that. As hard as it is. And the reason why is for this reason. I said, when you get mad in this book and all this stuff really gets you riled and you start thinking of all the reasons you're angry at God yourself and all the people that have been taken before their time and you wish were still here, get mad. Get mad. Foaming at the mouth mad. Grinding your teeth mad. Slamming the ground mad. And when you finally scream and cry out to God and say, why? How dare you, God? <laughs> How dare you allow this happen to me? The moment you do that, and you're on the ground foaming and shaking like a wild dog, look up at a crucifix for a second and be wildly and wonderfully ashamed. Because you ain't gone through Jack. And so every time you cry real hard, don't get focused on the wrong place or you'll get lost. And you'll get lost in a really dark spot because despair is there because that's man. That's just flesh and blood and bones. But if Jesus is in your life, then those kids are not rotting in the grave. Those kids are in heaven. If you believe in God, you have hope. I, I can hear it now. <laughs> ah, well, wait a second. Asterisk, asterisk that in this. I get it. I get it. We'll debate that. <laughs> there'll be plenty of that believe me there'll be a lot of people debating stuff I say <laughs> it happens but that means that when you look into the dark we can at least agree on this that no matter how dark it is we can say with King David I could make my bed in hell and you're still there where could I possibly go I could lose my daughter to cancer you're still there I could lose my five-year-old kid you're still there I could lose my pre-born you're still there and I know some people, I know one listener right now, a really important person, I won't even say her name, some in this show will know. Some can lose two preborn, And God is still there, and to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Because it didn't happen to us first. 
but we have to have hope. And so I said it earlier, like Angela said it great, you know, there's like this blend of things like you're going to cry. I'm crying, but I'm also chuckling a little too because it's really cute and adorable. <laughs> and because how can I be super sad when I'm surrounded by life? And how can I be super sad? I don't have to trick myself. I don't have to. And I want, I want you to think. You don't have to trick yourself into believing the false gospel that all we are is worm food and stardust. That's a false gospel. That's a weird mythology. It is. And it's one that doesn't bring hope. Not even a reasonable hope. It's, it's, just, it's just here today, gone tomorrow. You opened your eyes to this marvelous place. And then you suffered and died. And it makes sense of that whole, they shoot horses, don't they? And that's a tough thing for families going through cancer because you start thinking weird junk like that. And when you, can I, can I ask yeah, go you ahead. what I it, <laughs> can I ask you what it was like to comb through so much of Sammy's life? You talk about it in the book as being in Sammy's orbit. And I, I just can imagine how hard it would be to be so immersed and beautiful at the same time. Like I think about, some some listeners may or may not know, but my sister died suddenly in a car accident um, several years ago now. But going back and combing through her things and wanting to hear her voice again or hear her laughter. Um, and there are so many things that I look at. I actually have a picture right here of us from when we were kids. Um, and it's like you just you can get lost in that and the joy and in the sorrow, remembering the be beautiful moments that you had with this person that you're not going to hear call you on the phone anymore. Um, yeah. It took me years to, to stop having that instinct of, of, wow, I haven't talked to Paige in a long time and just like waiting for the phone call. Um, <laughs> and what was that like for you to be so immersed in Sammy's life, to be back in her orbit in that way? That is a huge question that's actually why i wanted you to ask the questions because you had shown numerous times to ask these questions that are actually like they could burst in a bazillion directions if i just listen close and i wanted to say this first going through those things the obvious things it was really hard like people don't want to go through them i think i went like months right i didn't want to go through anything like that because each one of those little objects are going to be packed with memories and if they're not, I'm going to be sad that it's not, right? So I was reluctant to go through that. And when I finally did, it was like, you know, it was really tough. And, and, but it was, it was a, a cleaning in general. It was, it was part of a broader thing that was taking place generally in our lives. But I want to say something that I haven't said actually about all that. And that is that um, when I started going through all of that, and the even the chapter talking about it in the book, it's really a chapter about going through everything for the book in general. It's actually like a microcosm, macrocosm of the whole book, a little snapshot a little bit. Um, and how painful it was. And how there's this, this haunting question. And it gets back to what we were just talking about. And that is the question somebody asked me, do you still feel Samantha? And no matter all the objects I went through, no. I felt emotions, not her, right? <laughs> and that was a tough thing. 
That was really hard. And, but the more I did that, um, it opened up new wounds in a way. Because I began to see not only more things about her, including things that were like devastating to my heart, but also things that she felt and she talked about and she things and it was just devastating. But I also saw things about myself that and like pictures like that, like the people who were with me, where was I? Because in that moment, I'm you can see I'm I'm tucked in there. That's her, her teachers and stuff, her principal. It's the one with his arm around me right there. And that's the day before she died, second to last day right there. And that's or people from school. But as you can see, my what I'm looking at and the emotions that I'm going through, it's easy to have horse blinders on and to not even recognize that there are other people there. And what I noticed throughout the book is I didn't see a lot of people. And in many ways, I didn't even see her. I was so wrapped up trying to save her. That it's like, you know, when Jesus says you're, you know, you're people to play on the words with that. You get so caught up trying to save somebody in the flesh and saving their body that you forget about a soul. And salah on that for a minute, because it's one thing to say that. And that's like, wow, that's a lesson. It's another thing when you have to look down at a headstone in the ground and that the one in the ground is the 12 year old version of that. Mm -hmm. That's her. And so it was really hard to, to go through, and, and, but it helped me see things. And it, I think the hardest thing was seeing myself and seeing the blunders, the folly, the things that I did, the, the mischief, the, straight, up, straight up bad stuff. I mean, if there's one bad guy in the book, I'm kind of the bad guy, you know. I'm not, I'm not the best dude. I don't make myself some like great hero guy like I'm a saint. That'd be a really fake book, <laughs> you know. I had a lot to, I had a lot to repent for. But when I went through the book, it was so awesome, and and going through all of that stuff, and and seeing myself in a broader context, as bad as it hurt to realize that I had failed to see Teresa and the stuff that she was going through, even with school, or the stuff that Athen was going through, the stuff that Ambrose was going through, and even though I was there. And even though they were with us and they'd go to they'd go to the events or they'd go to the clinic with us or they'd go spend time with Grammy, there were things in their life that because of the hyper focus on cancer and quantity that it turned out being that we missed a lot of things that we should have seen. And that was a lot of crow for your boy to eat because I'm the dad and these are my kids. And these are their most formidable years and they're already in this cataclysmic thing. And on top of that, I didn't see or hear them. But that gave me an opportunity to address that in my life and to make myself better, to ask God to help me in those ways. And then to go to them individually, my kids, and to tell them with tears in my eyes, just, I love you. And I saw them in ways as a team that I'd never seen. And by the way, the story right there, that... That woman and that story, Kathy, that's one of the most powerful moments for me, like seeing her, like when you see other people in the story, like for me, that moment where she's racing around the room and taking that picture and wiping her tears, it was so intense, everything. And we had, we were running, we were running out of time because Samantha had to, uh, she was falling asleep and it's, it's intense. She's like out of it and the whole, anyway, beautiful, beautiful part. But 
the hardest part at the end of it all was actually that I wrote it. Because, and the, and you'll understand this, you have a picture, Angela, you have a picture on your, um, and I know I'm seeing the time, 1045, mm -hmm. 1047, whatever, um, that um, you have a picture of your sister, right? Yeah, there I'm are looking no at new it, pictures. Yeah. There are no new pictures. Get both of us on the screen. Yeah, I don't see you. So there are no new pictures, right? Yeah. Right. So yeah. all of those things that you ever did are locked in time. Those experiences, you will have no new ones. There will be no foot no no feet coming down the steps anymore, or the sound of the knock at the door that you know it's her. Mm -hmm. That ain't happening. But it's different. Because she is there. And we must believe. We must have hope. And yeah, I absolutely agree. And I just sort of think, it makes me think of how, how your story continues after Sammy's death. And again, like everyone needs to go read this. The story of her death is so profound, but it doesn't end there. Like it, you, you continue on and, and all of a sudden God is sort of, pricking your conscience and working through your children to bring you home again. And you're what you've been saying about if, if God isn't real, then when we die, we're just warm food. And you know, you, you go to Sammy's grave and I bet you feel even more strongly than I do because she was your child, but you go to the grave and you, I described this to you last time after I, I initially interviewed, but, interviewed you on my own channel integrated um but you go to the grave and you know that her body is there and that's like physically the closest you are going to be to her and there's a way it's like you want to just melt into the ground and like lay there and just lay beside this person that you love so much and and like that's the closest physically you can get until we get our resurrected right. bodies again and so I just love that it, to see the transformation in your, in your book. Um, you don't get totally into the, um, it, the, the moment you really, you know, go back to confession or everything, but you, you end your book on such a positive light note where there's this resolve to come back to God. And it's so much rooted in, in, in realizing that Sammy's not warm food right? and you can lay next to her to body. Grapple. Yeah. And having to wrestle with that. What does it mean? What is our purpose? What, what is the afterlife like? Um, and is there more to this? Is there a reason why my kids are coming to me and, uh, and, and wanting to talk to God, you know, right. um, yeah. it was just such a powerful thing for me to read. And, and I am, I'm so grateful that you shared that part of your story because the story doesn't end when our loved ones die. Oh, they, absolutely. Well, then that's the huge thing was because people were like, oh, you should make it two books. And I thought anyone who reads the book, if you end the book either at where we carry her out or at where we're at the funeral, it doesn't matter. Those would be the two only logical places really where it would end if it was that way. That would be the most depressing book in the universe. Yeah. That would be, you would, you would end it. It would be like that stupid movie where the people get are stuck out in the ocean and the sharks are swimming around and the helicopters come and they there nobody's there everybody's dead it's just the end it's like what what's this a crap and i said i'm not writing a book like that no and then at the end 
They, they stuck her in the ground and the worms ate her. <laughs> no! What? No. Because they, these things are harmonious. These things are together. Because there's no separation of, of God and cancer. That was a huge thing we, we, we had. We did these things, God and cancer. And you can't. and Because you can't separate God from this stuff. Right? The, the question's just, it's just there. And I, 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 and I want people to rest assured about something. Because this, this interview is happening on a show with people who are very strong advocates of what we do. Right? Very strong positions. This book may startle people because it's not preachy at them. I don't tell people, I don't tell people, you go become Catholic right now. You go RCIA. Right? Like, I don't do that. In real life, hey, by the way, dude, become Catholic, please. <laughs> like, right now, go find RCIA. Go find a parish. They're open, right? Go find some priest or something. You got to go get it started. Um, however, in this book, I didn't, I'm not using my daughter and our family as a tool to try to get people to win them over to anything. I tried to tell the story because that story tells enough. I don't need to do anything. I just simply tell it and just say, that's what happened. Here are the people. Here's what God did. Here's where we are. And if you want to talk to us about that, that's fine. Right? Mm -hmm. But I know there, there are going to be people that are going to say they wish that I was more hardcore. And I know for the... For the apologists out there who are going to read it and be clever enough to recognize that, yes, in fact, the apologetic method advanced on Pilgrim Diaries is championed in this book <laughs> and in every book that's coming around it. <laughs> so good luck. <laughs> so you say, well, how are you going to get out there? And you say, well, the Lord already is doing the work. It's <laughs> already so just blam. So because that's what brought us back to God. Mm -hmm. So I don't even have to force that. I just tell the story and bada boom, bada yeah. bing. The questions and the considerations and the <clears throat> arguments that led us back at the end of the day, which were the final straws, everything else was prayer guide in the way. That's how we were able to live in this weird bubble where somehow all these amazing things are happening. <laughs> you know, like we were surrounded by it. Right. But anyway, it, that's all in there. And so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well done. I, I, it was such an honor to read and, and you're right. I think Tim used the word sacred to describe reading Sammy's death. And, uh, and it truly is, I think death is, it is sacred, um, because it, because it's redemptive, right? Like we've conquered death. Jesus Christ has conquered death for our sake. And, uh, yeah, it was just such a pleasure to read it. And I'm so grateful that you allowed us to read that and, and start off the, this kickstart of, of the book party, encouraging everyone seriously to go buy it. I am not kidding. This book is absolutely phenomenal. And I'm not just saying that because Jeremiah is my friend, I promise. And um, I barely I paid her anything to say. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't pay me. <laughs> I didn't pay hardly anything. <laughs> uh, Tim, yeah. do you have anything that you would like to add? Because um, as the other person that has like finished and read the book, you are the editor, you are publishing it on Our Lady of Victory Press. What are your thoughts? Uh, it's really just it's there's nothing to add with to what pastor just said and what the book tells i mean you just need to read it and experience the book experience the story for yourself 
Yep, Fantastical Mania. It's incredible. I love it. It was so good. So anyway, thank you so much. And thanks to everybody who has joined us today to uh, hear more about Jeremiah's new book. Thanks, Adrian and Nicholas. Do you guys have anything coming up on your, you know, your own projects that uh, maybe we can get out there quick? And Tim as well. You too, Jeremiah. Let's start with Adrian. I just wanted to thank uh, Jeremiah uh, for writing such a personal book. Um, you know, that, that's, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't easy at all to write anything like this. And, and just, just uh, you know, just, it's very moving to hear um, just the process of writing it. And so thank you for, for letting us into your life in that way. Uh, it, it's a real privilege. I'm, I'm, I, I'm already, I want to send this to, to, to somebody uh, who I think this, this will, this will help a lot. So I think this, this is a, it's, it's a, a very, it's a very particular way of helping people. So thank you for that. Uh, I mean, otherwise there's just, um, I mean, everything, uh, everything pales in comparison to, to this conversation, but, you know, just working on some secret projects, just some stuff back going on behind the scenes. So Adrian is a CIA agent with me. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is he at the TLM watching people? Yeah. <laughs> Are yeah. you a plant? <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Nicholas? Man, honestly, yeah, I'm kind of lost for words, which is pretty rare for me. If anyone knows me in life, they'll know I'm a talker. I, but I, <laughs> OP, he's an OP who's been struck dumb. Yeah, <laughs> I have, not going to lie. First um, time yeah. ever. There's a first, first time for everything, right? For real. What I absolutely, yeah. You know, I'm not even going to plug anything I'm gonna uh, that I'm doing. You can just come to my channel. You'll find out what's going on. All I'm going to say is, yeah, Jeremiah, thank you so much for going to places that most people just don't want to go because and I mean this from the bottom of my heart like there's such what I loved so much about your presentation and I know I'm going to love so much about your book is that as you surmised it it doesn't end in a life of despair like ultimately joy is the fruit of charity and joy is not you know this kind of fleeting happy you know meal bliss if you will it's something substantial that can never be taken away from you um, unless you give it away. You know, it's up to you, but it's something that's given. And what I love so much about this book um, from what I've heard and from the little bits that you've read to me is that you have that joy, which is a testimony to everyone who's going through anything that's hard, that God is real. And I just want to thank you for that. It was a true honor and a privilege to hear your presentation this morning. Thank you. Yes, man. It's always a pleasure to hear yours. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm glad to be back, man. I'm glad to see your face, homie. Well, I've been gone a long time. People are like, I think he vanished. <laughs> and they were going to make a movie like, you know, is a Polly Shore dead or whatever. They were going to do that about me. And I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> so it's good to see you, man. Does anyone else have anything left to add? I don't want to, I'm not going to plug anything of my own either. Jeremiah, uh, where, can, yeah. where can people like continue to follow what you're doing with She Danced Me a Story? Right here. Right here on Meaning of Catholic. Right here. Don't go anywhere. Make sure you, you subscribe, right here like, Meaning of Catholic. hit the bell. This is where it's about. This is where the business is happening. And so people got to come here. And they, they have so many good reasons. Just look at the screen and behold a number of them. <laughs> They're fantastic people. They they love God. And for all the mistakes that they make and all the... I mean, look. Let me get a good count here. 
four of the five, the other four on the screen are wrong about a lot of things. I mean, <laughs> I'm right, they're wrong, <laughs> but I still love them. <laughs> but no, look, they're, but, they're, but they're, they're generous and they're humble and they're kind and they're my friends. And they've been so supportive. And this is such a cool apostolate because we really are trying so hard to show that there's a better way and that we can do this. And I, I'm i all in. So, yeah, if you want to find... Now, you'll find some stuff at Paleocrat, like every once in a while, if it gets too wild and crazy. Um, the Wolfpack chat, all that. But if you really just stay here and see links and descriptions and stuff. And I'll be doing more. And I'll, I'll talk to Tim so that whenever there's interviews and stuff I can coordinate with the different people and we can make sure that a lot of them get put over here too mm -hmm. so it'll be yeah, good and if, yeah. if everyone else could uh, do us a favor and share this on your favorite social media channel more people need to hear this story and and hear about this book we want to push this out as far as far and wide as we can everyone needs to hear and read about Sammy's story it is such a gift um, thank you so much there's everybody one, there's oh, one ahead. more thing if go anyone ahead. and look I, I, I mean this if there's anyone that would like for me and my family to come into a signing or anything like that, or to come to a presentation or readings or anything, just reach out to us. Mm -hmm. We would love that. And you can do that at paleocratdiaries at gmail.com. Uh, we can put that in the comments or whatever, paleocratdiaries at gmail. And we can set it up and it's super easy. I know people sometimes it's a lot of money. You know, I'm not one of those guys. <laughs> I mean, literally, I think I said it before, but I'll say it again. If you can pay for the train ticket or you can pay for the bus ticket, I don't care. I'll go because, and I'll eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Get your grandma to make me some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> and give me a pup tent and I'll, I'll sleep outside because everybody's going to want have a little bonfire outside with me anyway. And your neighbor's going to bring his guitar and we're all going to sit up super late talking about Jesus late into the night. So just give me the ticket and I'll go and we will talk about Sammy and the Lord and you'll buy books and everything else. Just do it. Reach out to me like right now. <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you so much, Jeremiah. Thanks everyone for joining us for this right. special morning edition <laughs> of The Ascent. Uh, we'll see you soon. God bless you.